Adarim Halamag, I'm Lonis Locke, and you're listening to Beings of the Galaxy. We received our first listener letter about two months ago, completely out of the blue. I was sitting at my desk, finishing revisions on an article when a notification popped up on my holo screen. Curious, I pulled it up and quickly realized the letter wasn't just the listener's way of sharing their love for beings of the galaxy, but it was also a gift. They had sent me a story of their own, a being in the galaxy they wanted me to know about. Soon, I started receiving more letters, more stories from listeners all across the galaxy, people who were touched by our work and wanted to contribute in a way. They started seeing the everyday beings around them differently, started listening more intently to another's story. They hungered to learn about the galaxy around them through the people who lived in it. Every letter I receive, I share with Perry, my editor, who's just as excited about these stories as I am. It was actually Perry who suggested we share some of them with all of you. I wish we had the time to share them all, but alas, that is not a luxury we are afforded. But I do want to encourage you to keep sending them because, one, we love to read your letters, and two, who knows, there might be a time in the future where they can be featured. There are two different stories I want to share with you all on today's episode. Two different beings who, in their own ways, learned what it means to do the right thing. The first story comes from Dr. Alinus Brex, a former rebel medic who now practices in a clinic in the Outer Rim. When she was a young girl, Dr. Brex lost all contact with her father, Lieutenant Commander Pedras Brex, who was sent on assignment to oversee the construction of a secret Imperial base. Dr. Brex grew up without her father, never knowing whether he'd survived the war or where life took him if he had. That is, until she was approached after a shift one day by a Wookiee. The Wookiee handed Dr. Brex a data pad, the one now in my possession. It was from her father. His apology. His story. A story of compassion. This message is for Elinus Brex, daughter to Lieutenant Commander Pedras Brex of the Imperial Corps of Engineers. My dearest Deli, this is your father speaking. I know it's been decades since we've last seen each other, but I assure you, it was all for your protection. Despite this, any apology I give would be undeserved, as I was not there for you growing up. But if it means anything, I wanted to say, after all these years, I'm sorry. I hope you grew up to be a good person. That's what this message is about. I want to make sure you are leaving a bigger impact on the galaxy than I ever could. I should start from the beginning. I left from my first assignment as lead architect when you were but a child. I remember holding you so tightly. I remember you cried, thinking I was going to be gone for so long. It was only going to be for a few months. But in hindsight, leaving you, even after the loss of your mother, I should never have left. You were, and still are, my entire universe. I went on to my assignment thinking I was on a path to change the galaxy to help shape it for the better. I couldn't have been more wrong. The location of the base's construction was classified, and I couldn't tell you where I was going. 
I had high hopes as it was my first time leading a project of that scale on my own. Within a few months, though, my pride turned to great regret. We received orders to speed up construction, and we were told to expect conscripted labor to help bring us back on schedule. To my dismay, what I thought would be volunteers or even labor droids ended up being entire groups of Wookiees. They were matted, chained, and placed in horrible living conditions. They were looked at no differently than a common pack animal. Although never having met Wookiees firsthand, my father always spoke highly of them as wise, gentle beings. They were heroes of the Republic, helping turn the tide against the Separatist forces. What I saw in the weeks to follow disappointed me greatly. Their mistreatment from the other officers, even common trade workers, made me ashamed to wear this uniform. At some point, I couldn't take it anymore, because the facility was still in its early stages of construction, and being the only person with the foremost knowledge of its design, I concocted a plan to free them. On a day where I knew there would be more officers on leave and fewer trade workers on site, I bribed a foreman with a bottle of Tonneray, a rare Alderanian wine. It was a gift from your mother on the day of my graduating from the Corps. I never opened it. I guess it was one of the last mementos I still had of her. I couldn't bring myself to ever open it. But for my plan to work, I figured it would be better suited than its intended purpose. When the coast was clear, I snuck in one of the Wookiee chiefs and showed him a hidden service corridor not shown in any of the plans. I was able to discreetly edit it out from the record. I was scared, not just for the treasonous act I was committing, but being alone with the Wookiee twice my size was intimidating. I didn't know if he saw me any differently than anyone else wearing this uniform. He was, of course, reluctant to follow me, but once I showed him the corridor and how to remove portions of the paneling to expose it, it was clear he understood my intentions. I got to see firsthand the compassion and intelligence of the Wookiees when, after giving me a roar of thanks, the chief gave me an infamous Wookiee hug. It's still hard to breathe sometimes when I laugh. <laughs> Some time passed and the Wookiees successfully escaped the facility one night. Hearing that the foreman was caught drunk on the job and may have revealed my involvement, I also escaped shortly thereafter and eventually joined the Wookiees in the dense jungle. I was recognized as part of their clan and can sense the joy in their expressions. When I graduated from the Engineer Corps all those years ago, I had every intention to be a part of something greater than myself, to help bring order from the chaos in the galaxy. I sought out my position with the Empire as a means of making an impact and to better the lives of others. I wanted to use my skills to literally rebuild what was lost during the Clone Wars. I just wanted to make a difference. But when I saw the Wookiees and how they were treated, I realized this wasn't the way to bring order and peace. To sacrifice the lives of others like they were stepping stones to something grander did not sit right with me. But when that one impulsive decision came to my mind to help free them at risk of my own life, well, I never would have expected to make a difference this way. Fearing for your life and safety, I needed to fake my death. I've kept my whereabouts secret long into my old age. I've created a new life for myself as a tinkerer. I have my own little shop tucked away in a bazaar in the Outer Rim. I help customers with their droids, ship parts, 
One youngling even found an old pod racer. <laughs> that was an exciting day. Occasionally, I get visits from my old Wookiee friends during their travels. But being well along in years, I have asked a favor of them. I've tasked them to deliver this data pad to you, my daughter, wherever you may be. If this message ever does make its way into your hands, I implore you, be a better person. The Empire promised to bring order from chaos, but did so at the cost of the lives of others. Lives they thought were inferior or opposed to their ideologies. It was cruel, but what the Empire lacked the most, and what the galaxy lacks, is compassion. Do your part to show the same compassion. So I implore you, look to the lives of others as precious. For this, my dearest Ellie, is how we make the galaxy a better place. Dr. Brex never had the chance to see her father again. She shared in her letter that she tracked down her father's shop, but when she arrived, it was empty. All trace of him, gone. All she has of him are his words, the ones you just heard. I'm humbled Dr. Brex wanted to share his story with all of you. She ended her letter with a word of hope, the reason she sent me the data pad, that her father's plea for compassion to fill the galaxy would find its way into the hearts of others to make the galaxy a better place. The second story Paris and I would like to share with all of you comes from former resistance agent Guard Byro. Guard sent us a data chip. With the chip, he wrote, this is my way to say thank you to Sarah. I want her to know she saved my life. Sometimes it's the little things that have the greatest impact. This is the story of how Sarah made the galaxy a better place. You don't know me. You don't have any reason to trust me, and I can't tell you my name. I have to keep my family safe. I'm all they have. I can't get involved in any of this, and I wouldn't even know what to do if I could. My sister said she saw you show a resistance pin to someone at the spaceport, and I just have to hope she's right. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know what I can say to make you trust me. I just miss how things used to be around here. I used to love my city, my planet, my home. An easy stop along the Hydean Way. I never had to travel to see the galaxy because the galaxy would come to see me. The spaceport was always busy and all the travelers would come into our cafe while waiting to refuel. Senators and refugees and merchants and leisure travelers, even pirates sometimes. One time a queen came in. She came in herself. She told me my honey fruit tart was the best she'd ever had. I'm sure she was just being polite, but I was only 15 at the time and had just started working here and stammered something about being happy to give her the recipe and that the secret was our local honey. My boss laughed at me the whole rest of the day, saying I had babbled on like I'd seen a flying bantha. And here I am babbling again. None of that's the point. The point is, things changed when the First Order took over. Instead of travelers coming into the cafe with stories from across the galaxy, or merchants offering to barter for their meal, it was stormtroopers coming in with full body armor, weapons ready to be drawn at any minute, and hardly a please or thank you. Never a hello or much of a response to a polite greeting. At first it was just unsettling when they'd come in and leave, and then the cafe could breathe again. Then the First Order took control of the spaceport. Not just the main spaceport, I heard they took control of all of our spaceports. 
They say the Council of Governors asked them to, but no one believes that. I don't. It isn't as though I've always agreed with every decision the governors make, but they would never choke the life out of the entire planet's economy. Once they occupied the planet, it, it wasn't just stormtroopers coming into the cafe, it was the officers too. And they don't just come in and leave. They linger. They watch, and they listen, and there's nothing we can do about it except hope that they leave sooner rather than later. It was one of them who said to me, I bet you hear all sorts of things in here. I do. I always have, and I used to love it back when the things I'd hear were first conversations between strangers meeting at breakfast. But the way she said it, I felt a chill down my spine. So when she asked what sorts of things I hear, I just shrugged and mumbled something about worrying too much about getting everyone's orders right to listen to much else. I wasn't about to tell her anything that could help them crumble my world anymore, and I certainly wasn't about to tell her anything that could get anyone arrested. I could never do that to my people. But that's... That's not all I hear. It's not just the locals I hear whispering under their breath when the stormtroopers leave. Stormtroopers talk too. So do officers, and they're not always quiet. I heard the First Order officers talking about the raid on the Merchant Garden before it happened. I didn't really know what I was hearing, and I don't know what I could have done about it even if I had. I just heard a few of the officers talking over their cups of calf about how anything they wanted could be labeled as illegal goods and confiscated and how the garden could be full of illegal goods. Two days later, Merchant Garden was raided. Dozens of merchants were arrested, and thousands of credits worth of goods were confiscated. I don't know what I could have done, or what I should have done. I'm not in the resistance. I don't have any political power. I just pour calf and bake things, but I... I've been going to the garden for as long as I can remember, and it was so vibrant and alive, and now it's just wreckage, and I didn't... I should have... Listen... I heard them talking again this morning, and then when my sister saw you in the cafe and she told me she saw your pin, I have to tell you this. I don't know if we'll ever get our home back the way it was. I don't know if this will help, but maybe someday. I can't do much, but this, this I can do. This one thing, the right thing. They know the resistance is planning to raid their cache of stolen weapons on our moon. They didn't say anything about how they know, but they said that when you get there tonight, they'll be ready. They moved everything. I don't know where, but the officer that was walking out of the cafe when you were walking in, the one with the scar across his chin, he knows. I could tell. He said that when you get there, the storehouses will be empty and it'll be an ambush. I know I can't save the galaxy, but maybe just one being. You. And whoever you were going to go to the storehouses with, don't go. Please believe me, don't go. I don't know if the force is real or not, but if it is, I hope it's with you. The extraordinary lives in what most would consider ordinary. It is extraordinary to make a choice to do something bigger than yourself in the life you've been given. To make a decision so monumental that it affects not only yourself, but others to place yourself in the larger narrative and become an active player in the story of the galaxy. No matter what part you play, you have a part, a purpose. Lieutenant Commander Brex and Sarah lived such different lives, but they both came to separate realizations that they had a part to play in the story of the galaxy. They never saw the greater picture because, well, that's not how the story of the galaxy works, is it? 
No one person sees the greater picture. We're all parts of it. Each of us make up this beautiful portrait of the universe. Each of us, each of our stories are essential in creating the greatest piece of art the universe has ever known. I get it. Believe me, I understand what it means to feel small. But feeling small is simply a matter of perspective, a certain point of view. Shift your mindset. Look at your life as essential to the greater story. And I promise you, you won't feel small, but important, needed, wanted. Because you are. Trust me, you truly are. Dr. Brex, guard, I thank you for sharing these stories. And to everyone else who sent in their stories, I thank you too. We read every single one, and you can't imagine the tremendous joy and gift you've given us. But now, you have a job to do. We are one platform, one place to share these stories, and there are trillions of beings in the galaxy. We will tell as many stories as we can, but you, you listening, you are out in the galaxy. You have a voice. You have a gift some sort of talent. I implore you, take up the work of beings of the galaxy. Join us on this journey and find the beings and the stories you know need to be shared. Your stories bring us together. Your stories help us know we aren't alone in our galaxy after all. Thanks for joining me, Lana Locke, your host for another episode of Beings of the Galaxy a Beyond the Outer Rim Holomag production, bringing you the stories of the everyday people who make up our galaxy far, far away. We'll see you next time.